Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And welcome to the newest version of the Doug and Dave Intel Report. We're going to do a couple of them. Uh, and we may do them back to back because there's so much information out there. Uh, we're still gathering information on the war game in Peoria, Arizona. And it's uh, interesting to say the least. And then we have an interest in the psych. Psychology PSYOP games being played uh, by the CIA and uh, the deep state. And we're going to delve into that right here. So we're going to go to Doug Thornton, obviously, Doug and Dave Intel Report. But we'll go there in just a minute. First, I need to do a little business. Uh, storable food is in order with all that's going on. I don't need to go through all the reasons why they're omnipresent. How much do you get? I can't give you a number any longer. We went six months and we said two years with seeds. It's as much as you can gather, as quickly as you can gather it, because the supply is not infinite. Now, my MPS still delivers on time. They have held the price, and they still are offering all the great qualities that they have with this food. So uh, go to foodwithdave.com. That's foodwithdave.com. And if you have food, you better have a way to filter water, particularly with the roving blackouts that are announced. How long does the power have to be down before you have water issues? I don't know on your community, but I know one thing. I would darn sure have water filtration, and I'd have enough for everybody in my family. So the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter, too, has not raised its rates. They still have a sale. And they have research at waterwithdave.com that compares their results of filtration to their competition. And I think you really should take a hard look at these two things. They go together. That's foodwithdave.com, waterwithdave.com. And then finally, ladies and gentlemen, and this is the big finally, uh, the Lindell people contacted us sometime back and said, you know, like what you do with the voter fraud stuff. And, you know, Mike Lindell obviously is uh, really, really made huge sacrifices in that area. So I understand why they feel that way. And they wanted to give our audience a special deal at MyPillow.com. So what they did is they said half off for our audience or two for one. And in some cases, savings are even bigger. So they've given us a new URL to go to. That's MyStore.com, coupon code Hodges for these great, great discounts. And uh, we have all their products. It's funny when they call me, they go, Dave, we'll send you samples of this. I said, we already got them. We already got them. They're great, folks. So go to mystore.com. And what's the coupon code? Hodges. And finally, just a reminder, um, we're kicking butt and taking names on the commonsenseshow.tv. Uh, we've just completed a two-part series. We're going to probably do another one with Tim Alberino with the congressional admission that UFOs are a threat to national security. And, oh, we've done three hours of broadcasting on that. And then we do the geopolitical stuff with our panel of experts. So you want to go to the commonsenseshow.tv. And right now, the Doug and Dave Intel Report is live. Doug Thornton is with us. And, Doug, we're going to, we're going to play mind games today. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, remote viewing. It's been a uh, fascination of mine for the last week and a half. I have so many questions because you potentially had contact or talked to one of the leading guys no, in did. the remote I, viewing project. I didn't just have contact. I trained with him. Okay, so all right, let's get let's let's break this down. Let's let's do all the brass tack stuff later, Dave. What the hell was that about? Okay, well, Mutual friend, the late Bill Pollock and connected people 
and Bill Pollock was friends with Art Bell. Ed Dames was on Art Bell all the time. Ed Dames was uh, one of the leaders of Project Stargate, and uh, his part of it was to spy on Soviet nuclear facilities and locate them. And uh, so we also know there was different divisions of Stargate. So I had an opportunity. Dave, would you like to go train for uh, three days in L.A.? And I said, yeah. How much is it going to cost me? Nothing. So I got to go, and he had a guy named BJ, and I can't remember BJ's last name. Really, really good guy. And uh, I'm not going to brag because, guys, I'm just saying it's what they said to me. Um, So I'm in the class of eight people. And they were training us how to do remote viewing protocols, which is not psychic ability. It is not psychic. It's trained uh, how to locate things using certain techniques. And so I went through the training uh, the first day. And at the end of the day, they had an activity and I got it right. And BJ comes over and says, well, Dave, you're the star of the class. And I didn't do a whole lot with remote viewing after that weekend. I did have lunch with Ed Dames and BJ and another guy that day. And I asked an interesting question. Doug, and I've told you about this. I asked about the ET question. Now, I don't think that Ed was involved with that. I don't know for sure. But he said, that's classified and I can never discuss it. That's pretty interesting. Well, I mean, and see... I've been doing so much research into the white papers, the actual declassified, classified uh, to the extent of top secret classification, uh, TSSCI documents. And in that, you you mentioned that you don't think it's demonic. So I'm going to come at you from a different angle and we'll have a gentleman's brawl. Well, hold on. I think some of it can be demonic. Yes, I do. The part I trained in was not demonic. It was nothing about calling in spirits or anything like that. No, no, there's, there's, there's an actual art to chance. Uh, the, in project Sunstreak, they actually put people on, uh, the ability of using, uh, chance or luck as a, uh, a intuit ability as what they would call the spidey sense. And in 2014, the U.S. Army actually, to uh, to go on this, actually started an entire program about the sensory adaptation that human beings have, that innate sixth sense. You know what I mean, Dave? These are things you and I have talked about. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, to, to say, and Dave, you said this before to me, you always knew when something was going to happen. So, you know, we have been studying within the government for generations now, uh, these people with these unique sensory adaptations of knowing when something is going to happen, I believe that is not demonic. I believe the, the term for that sounds bad, but their term for it is ESP, telepathy, remote viewing, psychokinesis, uh, parapsychology. And parapsychology is actually where the sixth sense portion falls into line. And that is just the study of an innate ability for a human brain's mind and what it can potentially do. Now then, the CIA and the DIA actually have scanned uh, uh, cranial scans of a man who is a remote viewer 
and they they were taking an MRI while he was in a remote viewing, uh, whatever occupancy uh, mission that he was on, mm-hmm. and they actually were taking scans, independent scans of the uh, brainwave function, and it's incredible the amount of activity that his brain conducted electrically uh, while he was remote viewing. It was uh, at a, I think it's like at a six or seven percent higher than the average person's. Now, this six, is what's Six cool. or seven percent higher in terms of what? Of what the average person's brainwave function is. Um, that's all it took, though. But that's the, what, what's interesting is that's all it took. And this man accurately described something that was from the other side of the country. So if, if it only takes just a little bit of extra flair in the synapses, and we have this potential... Uh, this unlocking potential, imagine 10%, 15, 20. I mean, 25% of the brain would put you above probably anyone who has lived in the past couple thousand years. You know, I mean, we're talking about, and this is, this is the CIA and uh, the DIA's research into this type of what they called uh, paranormal activity because they didn't have any other words uh, to describe it, if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, if you think we're freaking crazy and we've lost our mind, we're talking about psychoenergetics. Okay, psychoenergetics is the process by which an individual may physically interact with objects and locations, organisms, or events. Psychokinesis is the uh, is the physical actions performed by mental powers. Uh, that's your spoon bending guys. All right, Yuri, what's his name from Israel? He was probably the world's most famous magician. Uh, for spoon bending. Then you have ESP, telepathy, and remote viewing. And that loose definition is more or less the perceptions uh, which cannot be explained by known sensory means. All right, that's that's where you were, uh, that's the testing that you were doing. And since the early 1970s, Dave, the Department of Defense, DOD, has been involved in examining all these potential uses of psychoenergetics. They've done experiments using remote viewing for intelligence gathering tools. That, uh, and that was actually conducted by two laser physicists, Hal Putoff and Russell Targ of the Stanford Research Institute. And you know what they said about their uh, their experiments in the 70s? Well, I know what they said, but I they also... They said that it was successful. Yeah, they also were part of it. Oh, Yeah. Hal Putoff absolutely was. Uh, Russell Targ was. Russell Targ was more of a, a uh, esoteric kind of guy. Uh, Hal Putoff was probably one of the most successful remote viewers that they had, but he also led uh, quite a bit of all these operations. And I, I mean, I I find it interesting. You know, I mean, this is we're talking about the seventies, man. We're talking about the Red Scare. Nuclear weapons, Cold War. Why are we messing with these guys who claim that they can read tarot cards and have astral projection, you know, out of body experiences or, you know, read your fortune? That's what most people think. Okay. Uh, But the Russians, back in the 50s and 60s, when the CIA was spying on them, this is when the whole Psy War started. We had World War II. And then we had the threat of the nuclear war. And in between there was the Psy War. And in the 50s, the Russians spent up to uh, originally 20 million rubles, which back then is like $90 million. Okay. And then they quadrupled 
their effects in this research. And that said to the DOD, the DNI, the DIA, the, uh, the CIA, and then the, um, the Secretary of State, uh, the Secret Service, and then there's a redacted agency that's not to be named. And I think that was ARPA, which then turned into DARPA. That was the Advanced Research Institute. And they said, we have to do something about this. If they just, you know, more or less funded $100 million or more into uh, what we all think is a bunch of crap, there's something there. So let me get the yeah. rest of my, my notes gathered and I'll let yeah, you Let, let, let me you Let me respond to this, okay? First of all, we need to be careful not to lump all remote viewing experiences under the same banner. They are not. Uh, some of them are psychic. The one that I worked on was actually called Controlled Remote Viewing, or CRV, and it's a set of protocols to follow. It's based on the theory of Carl Jung of collective unconscious, that there is a central focal point in the universe yes. that's like a uh, uh, kind of like the old library card cataloging system where you could pull up anything frontwards, backwards, anywhere in the universe. And the way it gets you started is you start with a uh, two sets of four-digit codes, and you do sense impressions on uh, everything. Is it metallic? Is it curvy? Is it blue? Is it silver? Is it watery? Is it mountainous? Is it valleys? I mean, all these things. You go through literally hundreds, and you follow um, your instinct on this, and you're not allowed to analyze. All you can do is stay focused on the next variable. So your pencil goes down the sheet, and you go uh, blue and wavy. Check. Okay, because it's your sense impression saying yes. And then when you're done, you go through all these different protocols, hundreds of them, and then you construct a freehand sketch of what you have just identified from the list. And from there, this is where the skill and training comes in. Then what you do is you look at those uh, data points that you've created and you start to tell a story. And so, um, for example, if you want to know where the Soviets had a... Uh, underground nuclear facility you would attach that question to the eight digit code two sets of four numbers and you would then proceed to search for it in that manner you can also determine whether or not someone's alive or dead with various symbols uh, there's lots of uses for it but this is not tied to psychic i want to say not there are um shall we say more flamboyant remote viewers who rely on their psychic feelings. It's two different sets. In fact, let me just tell this quick story so people can clearly see the difference. They've done experiments in the field of psychology where they'll have 10 people facing the front of a room and they'll have the subject in the back. The people have these number cards uh, attached to their backs, one through 10, and they're spaced out by about two to three feet. The person is instructed for 30 seconds to stare at one of the numbers. And then the people are surveyed. Were you the one that was stared at? So you have, probability speaking, you have a 1 in 10 chance of being correct. So if you got 1 out of 10, you go, well, that's like choosing two cards out of 52. So it's the laws of probability are matched. But what they found in this experiment, over 60% of the time, the person that was being stared at knew. People would either answer, no, I was not. And the person said, yes, I was. 
and so you both had both sets of variables right around 60% or greater. In fact, the person that was stared at had the higher number than the ones who were not stared at in terms of saying, no, I wasn't. And so it's those types of knowingness that has been studied by psychologists. In fact, let me just relate one more story. There was something called, and this is going to take a couple of minutes to tell this, but I think it's really important to understand where the, what we're talking about. This is not remote viewing, what I'm going to describe. Back in the 1980s, a marine biologist named Joanne Burkholder, working at North Carolina State Marine Laboratory, was studying the aggressiveness of killfish. And I forget the actual species name, but they called it a killfish. And they noticed that when the light was on in the outer uh, room of the laboratory, the killfish could see its reflection. It started smashing its face into the aquarium. And so she said, I wonder how far she would go or, or this fish would go. So they devised an experiment and they would have the com a computer programmed on a variable interval ratio come on every so often so the fish could not become conditioned as to every 30 seconds I know to smash my face. Uh, but it would respond on a variable basis and it was a one-to-one -one relationship. But before they could really complete the experiment, the programming of the computer started to alter. And, and so instead of coming on, you know, like say at 30 seconds, two minutes, two minutes, 30 seconds, seven minutes, that kind of deal, it started to come on more frequently. They thought they had a computer error. So they switched out the computer and they did another one. They switched out the computer twice based on this. Now, here's where the real story comes in. Joanne Burkhalter was friends with an engineer at Princeton. And she was telling the story how they had to abandon the experiment, but it wasn't being funded. So they said it was just kind of a fun thing, but it wasn't worth all the time and effort that they were putting into it. And she said, gee, I wonder if the fish had psychokinetic abilities and could turn that computer on and that light when it wanted to. And she laughed, ha, ha, ha. Well, engineers historically are known for not having a sense of humor. And this started the beginning of the Princeton Engineering Anomalous Research that lasted 30 years. It called it PEAR for short. Here's what they ended up doing, and I, I'll cut right to the end. They had listening posts around the world where they would have people come in on a daily basis. I think there were about 50 sites. And they would take their autonomic nervous system responses, respiration, heart rate, and so forth. And they would get an aggregate total for the region and for the entire planet. Well, when these totals varied, let's say that your blood pressure went from 120 over 75 as an aggregate, and then it went to 160 over 100. Holy, you know what? What's going on? Well, less than 48 hours on the biggest aggregate jump in collective autonomic nervous system response, the pair facilities were 48 hours before 9-11, that was number one, and number two was the 2004 tsunami in Malaysia. These aren't accidents. We have some ability to sense danger if we listen, and we have ability seemingly to manipulate the environment, but we're not really sure how it works. Quantum physics says it's from the fifth dimension, and your brain is not a computerized device. 
It's more like a hologram. And if you're in the right mental state, right frequency, you can traverse temporarily to another dimension and pull information back where time stands still. Time and space happens on one single point in the fifth dimension, according to quantum physics. So that's the explanation for that ability, but that is not remote viewing. Sorry for the long explanation, Doug, but I thought it was really important to distinguish between the two events. So, you know, and, and this is, I, I'm a researcher and an investigator, so I'm completely unbiased when I read something. And, you know, I know, I know some people may disagree with me, but I keep my, uh, my opinions to myself and I just read what is in front of me mm -hmm. and I try to explain it, uh, to the best of my ability. Right. <clears throat> but there are things like scrying, channeling, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, and this is the stuff the CIA has done using Ouija boards. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you don't dabble in that. Mm -hmm. you, you don't the, and, and this is the thing, man. And the the eastern religions like the the hindu and the indian re yoga uh, religions they did the astral body out of body stuff and la marzuli uh used to dabble on that and he can tell you it is very much demonic it is it is not you open up a doorway and things can walk right through it and you may not be able to shut the door yeah i agree so it, it, and but what we're talking about for one thing the ability that you've mentioned to me before uh, is called precognition, all right, or, or the perception of events that have not happened. Um, under under what the CIA and ARPA, which is now DARPA, what they were testing for paranormal phenomena, extrasensory perception like telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, psychokinesis, and other related phenomena. Now, under paranormal phenomena, we have an extrasensory perception, okay? And this comprises, once again, the three. Telepathy, which is the reception of information or behavioral influences from other minds in the apparent absence of physical communication, mm -hmm. okay? That is one of the things that I believe people actually have the ability to do. Uh, then you have clairvoyance, okay? Clairvoyance is the perception of physical objects or events under conditions that preclude the reception of known physical signals. But in the CIA studies with people who use clairvoyance, they channeled spirit guides. Every one of them would channel, uh, would channel a spirit guide. Well, not so, not in all these phenomena. Let, let me explain. No, I'm, talk, I'm talking about just for the clairvoyance part. Well, see, again... You've and got. This, you've this got. This is the CIA's papers okay, on it. Okay. They're, they're saying it. But the thing is, is I know the science, and I'm telling you, the stare at the back of the person, that has nothing to do with the spirit world. Nothing. No, and that's not. But the, that's not clairvoyance. Clairvoyance is whenever you use a sense, a a entity, to walk through reality without you ever leaving your body, and then that entity comes and gives you back whatever fractural information it gained. All right? That is clairvoyance. Um, I don't believe we have the ability to do that naturally. Precognition, on the other hand, I think precognition is something that every single person in the world at one point in time, I know I've experienced it a, a bunch of times. We've all done it. You know, and, and I'll... I'll, I'll tell you one of the uh, a story. In Iraq, after so many different people were hit by roadside bombs, um, and I, I've experienced them before, they suck. 
Um, you had the DARPA. Uh, the DARPA came in. I'm trying to say this carefully. DARPA came in and started to do studies on people who were hit by roadside bombs after the after-action report was wrote up. And what they wanted to know was, did you sense something before the firefight, before the suicide bomber, mm -hmm. before the roadside bomb? And an average of 87% said yes. They knew it was going to happen before it happened. And on every freaking patrol that we ever got shot at, uh, that we ever, you know, had something bad happen, you'd get half the half the squad would say, "Man, it just feels like a bad day," you know. And we had a lot of bad days. There, there were times that we just had really bad days that no one could explain. But then there would be like this between the three teams, you know, half of us are saying, "Man, it does feel something feels off." Like you would walk outside and the air is tense. Uh, you would. It feels like you're walking through um, a, a thick fog that you actually have to uh, push yourself against, the, and and then you would be met by fear, and fear would be telling your body to stop. Your heart rate would start to pick up. Your ears start to listen. You start to hear a little bit more cricket chirping than you ever did, and then everything goes quiet, and then the bomb goes off, or then the shot starts, or then the screaming starts. So, DARPA concluded that the ability to have precognition was something that they believe that the higher percentage of most men and women have the ability to to uh, uh, hone in on during certain occasions. But it's always this heightened risk. It's always a during a heightened risk. And in addition, uh, there was a, a distinct form uh, of this from perceptual phenomena. And uh, we have ergo psychokinesis or the ability to influence an object's physical behavior that was under the conditions that would preclude like a transmission of known forms of energy. So long story short, and this is uh, getting into what you and I were talking about the other day with psychokinesis. Now we're talking about the ability to move things or to bend things or the ability to put your hand through uh, materialized objects and to dematerialize your hand and rematerialize your hand or walking through walls. All right. Um, <laughs> this is a cool, it's, it's just to read the fact that we had a joint uh, affair with China and their intelligence group over what I'm about to discuss. I, I find it cool maybe because I was, a I was, you know, a, in the government for so long, but you know, it's, it's cool to know that there is things like, like this happening out there. Uh, but China had three children and each child had a different ability that, you know, low level kind of, kind of makes me think of like really crappy X-Men. But one of the children during the, uh, during the study, there was a glass jar with a lid on it and it had like a fork or a spoon inside of it. And this child was able to take his or her hand and go through the glass, grab the object, and pull it back out of the glass. And they sat there and they recorded it. Three scientists recorded it and monitored it immediately with the CIA rep there. Immediately made a transmission to Washington. Look what we just found. 
So what was the big reason for that? And this is where you and I can get crazy with this, Dave. The big reason why we thought uh, in the government we thought this was such a, a problem was that if you have someone who has the innate ability to dematerialize and then rematerialize or walk through walls or mind control, which was something that uh, the Russians were experimenting with. They had a guy called the warlock who supposedly could kill you with a thought or could actually control your mind. Uh, they actually tried to assassinate that dude as well. Uh, imagine, Dave, if you will, if you're sitting on um, whatever uh, maelstrom you know, nuclear base in Montana where the UFO came in and, and deactivated uh, the uh, nuclear warhead. Imagine if you had the ability, sitting in your living room, to astral project, walk through the walls, whatever you want to say, uh, and, and convince somebody to turn the keys, to press the buttons, to launch it. Or if you had the ability to go th to put someone through all the schooling, get them into the right location, and then they can just walk through the restricted space and grab the biological weapon that no one was supposed to have and walk right out with it. These are the things that the CIA, the DIA, the Navy, the Army, the Secret Service, ARPA, or now DARPA, and other agencies were actually afraid of to the extent that they funded this project for almost 30 years at the tune of over $20 million. This was a real thing. This was a real thing, Dave. Well, my, I, I, I think what you're talking about is hacking human beings. Harari has addressed that, but non-specifically. But basically, he's talking about subverting free will. So you're getting into the same realm as the World Economic Forum admits to. I want to just clear up one thing that previously I said, though. Um, Vance Davis, as you've heard me talk about, in fact, actually she's coming on our show Sunday. Vance Davis, former NSA with NATO, they were requiring people after they trained them to be remote viewers, then to start using Ouija boards separate and apart. All seven of them deserted their posts. Interestingly, though, they were eventually caught. They were kept in solitary confinement. And I don't think H.W. Bush wanted the publicity that discovery in a trial would bring, so they just released them. They just flat released them. And uh, they these people rejected going to the dark side with Ouija boards. So that's why I'm saying there there is a distinct difference between the two elements here. And I think actually you're dealing with three elements. I think there is non-satanic uh, uh, psychic ability, I, th mm -hmm. I think there is uh, trained remote viewing, which has nothing to do with psychic or the spirit world. And then I think there is demonic occultic practices that the Nazis were really into. Well, at Fort Detrick, Maryland, where this whole thing was hosted at, in an old, uh, leaky World War II wooden barracks where all these guys were kept at, there were two women there that they called the witches. And Hal Putoff, one of the, the head uh, researchers and remote viewers absolutely hated these two ladies and they did use witchcraft and it was you got to understand what we're talking about what we're really talking about here 
is the ability to use how would I say this? Uh, the ability to use uh, paranormal phenomena for military applications. All right. So how put off didn't like these ladies because he he was a a I don't want to say an honest remote viewer, but he was probably honestly one of the best remote viewers with the highest percentage rate of success, which, by the way, uh, with this research, like uh, Project Sunstreak, all you needed to do was be uh, correct half the time for them to say you were a remote viewer. That's their words. 50-50. But then you had guys who were way beyond. Uh, Hal Putoff uh, was one of those guys who was in the 80 percentile of being correct. And he said that these, uh, in his own documentation, he said that these, the two witches that they, he called them, uh, they would do scrying, uh, palm reading, they would do tarot cards, uh, they would channel spirit guides to speak to deceased loved ones, you know, and, and he said it was more of a parlor trick to that extent because it had nothing to do with stopping the Russians. Which is what this dedicated unit of, of mind viewers was honestly all about. Uh, at least that's what we are led to believe, right? So if we are led to believe that this whole thing was about stopping the Red Scare and the nukes, then he said that these two women were really taking away from the project and turning it into a sideshow. Uh, and, and that there were uh, a couple big-name generals that actually drove from D.C. to Fort Detrick, Maryland, and would go and get their palm read, go and, uh, and have their their future told to them or their other self in another life. And he, uh, Hal Putoff hated these ladies so much that he actually had them expelled from the entire project. Uh, but I want, you to, I want you to think about these things here, Dave. Let's talk about what possible military applications there are for paranormal phenomena, okay? You have long and short distance information transfer and, and information gathering. Uh, they looked at the ability to control uh, equipment or machinery, uh, the ability to damage computers by mind control, uh, man-to-machine interactions, the ability to take control of a crane's functions through will, uh, just to you know, drop something on top of like a, an experiment that the Ruskies were working on, and then they had body control and healing in military situations. Um, with the equipment control and the systems damage, it would be conceptually difficult, for example, to imagine the utility of psychokinesis if it were feasible in disrupting the electrical systems associated with an ICBM's guidance program. So one of the things they were trying, and, and I believe they actually did, was they, they launched a missile and tried to see if a psychic could control that missile and bring it back to the ground or control that missile and dive it off into a, a cleared space like the ocean. Uh, then you had the other one, the man-to-machine interactions. And these are all studies that they did. Uh, the man-to-machine interactions entailed an application of both telepathy and psychokinesis to produce this quasi-symbiotic relationship between man and, say, a computing equipment on a much more intimate basis than is presently feasible. So what we're talking about is the ability uh, to have a cyber attack through a psychic 
element. And then you had body control and healing. Uh, the application for this is both uh, autogenic phenomena, which is voluntary control of the uh, autonomic uh, nervous system. And then you had what is traditionally known as faith healing uh, to battlefield injuries. And there is, in fact, some evidence that certain individuals may actually accelerate organic healing through processes, through various psychocosmatic effects. The ability to resist normal, uh, intolerable conditions, such as torture or brainwashing in captivity, was tested. And, uh, and they thought that this might be another form of application of these different phenomena. What do you think about what, all this crap I just said? Well, I know a lot about the um, last part of what you're talking about because it's uh, there, there, there's been all kinds of what we call sensory techniques used in a hypnotic state. Some people call it guided imagery. And people can direct healing processes to their uh, injury, illness. Um, there's been all kinds of studies done on people with fatal diseases. Some of them have spontaneous remission. That's relatively rare. But most of them that engage in these uh, accepted techniques. I'll give you an example. Like if you have leukemia in the blood... Uh, one popular image is to visualize waterfall running through your veins. And people who have this, like childhood leukemia, they extend the projected or predicted lifespan by about 25%, sometimes as much as 50 So that is true. Um, and the healing component, there's a lot we don't know about. I'll give you another thing that's really obvious, and this isn't so much, I don't think it's psychic at all. I don't think it's uh, an unusual power. But in a state of hypnosis, people can be trained to block pain. And what they do is if they know the pain stimulus is coming in their altered state, they can issue a countershock to the limbic system of the brain and block the pain from reaching the limbic system where it's not perceived. Uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's highly accepted. In fact, people that can't take local anesthesia in a dentist office sometimes are trained to do this so they can have normal dental work done without using well, I, general anesthesia i i want you to i want you to uh to comment on this i watched a video and it was uh from doctors within i believe it was arpa at that point in time in the 70s before it became darpa and they had a guy who um he was a amputee i think he was missing his left arm and you know the video of this, and they have a uh, a prosthetic, and they're you know they have like the prosthetic attached to his arm, and they're testing to see if his brain can feel the prosthetic fingers. So you know they were tapping it, uh, rubbing it, and then they had uh, he finally started to say when they were brushing it with like a brush, that he could feel the sensation of his skin being brushed with a brush. And so immediately upon the guy smiling and saying, oh, my God, I really feel it, they smashed the prosthetic hand with a hammer mm -hmm. and uh, scared the guy half to death. And then they were like, did you feel anything? Said, no, I didn't feel anything. And they said, but yet you felt the sensation of a brush on your hand. And that was like the end of it. And so for me, of course, you know, I, and the the places where I go to get a lot of this stuff is is 
pretty unique. I'm not going to give that up. Uh, I was I was trying to find as many uh, doctoral notes on it or experimental notes on it, and there really wasn't very much of it. But I know that there is a is a mental connection to what I just explained. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, it's like I said. What we're really establishing here: these are different um, powers. They come from different powers of origin, but they defy three-dimensional description. And this is where quantum physics, I think, really provides the best avenue to begin to understand this. Notice I'm not saying this is a complete response and a complete answer, but I believe you're dealing with extra-dimensional issues that the brain can harness. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of stories out there. Uh, in fact, actually, I had a friend who was a flight attendant, and when her brother was killed in Vietnam... Uh, she's a little girl. She came in and woke her mom up, and she said her brother was dead. Yeah, that was something the Nazis were experimenting on with yeah. twins and brothers and sisters as well. Yeah, she she was very, very clear on this, and she told me the story. Um, and so there's no way that she could have been right, wrong, or indifferent uh, on her own. She had no reason to perceive this was happening. Uh, and we just have tons of stories like this. But if you look at our three-dimensional world the fifth dimension is where like i said time and space stop many people believe this is where the knowingness without the three-dimensional five senses comes into play and i think there's a lot of truth in that michio kaku talks about this he wrote, he wrote a book on superstring and he postulated mathematically the existence of 26 dimensions and jesus well he demonstrated this too he turned water into wine, uh, stone into bread, and he said, this I do, and you can do more. We just have to learn how to harness the power. Now, the prevailing feeling in the profession today of people in quantum physics that study this is that it's a frequency effect. You have to be in the proper frequency to access information or to execute a power, like psychokinesis. It's a theory. Someone shouldn't take this and say, I have the answer now. I heard it on the Common Sense Show. It's a theory. <clears throat> yeah, you know, and and there's a there's a problem when we talk about stuff like this because I think people will take what we're talking about from what I would describe as just a theoretical, scientific, intellectual level to a, a whole another level where we're, we're talking about things that are completely against Christ. I am a Christian. Dave is a Christian. Uh, we don't dabble in black arts and black sciences. You know, we're, we're just talking about things that the government used to actually research for the reasons of uh, military application. Uh, but it's hard to refutate data, Dave. Mm -hmm. you know, you're a data-driven guy. It's hard whenever you get... Uh, a large amount of test subjects, and then at least one a quarter of the subjects all have a similar uh, experience or capability. Yeah, would you say that's fairly high yeah. out of let's say a thousand people? If a quarter of them could all do the same thing? Yeah, but l let me just explain one quick thing about research. You can have an anomalous uh, response to something. Um, and it could be a one-time occurrence. So in research, what we do, we like to say this. Good research is done multiple times using the same strategies and techniques. And then there are tests that you can apply 
to tell when you're done testing. How do you know that what you have? First of all, uh, in science, nothing proves anything. You establish probabilities of the two events uh, occurring together. And so what you have is you do things like t-test for independent means. You establish what they call level of significance. And you run this on all the similar studies and its data. And then when you reach your level of significance, usually accepted as 0.05. And when you get to that level of significance, then you can say, our research results could only be due to chance less than 5% of the time. And you establish the probability that something is true. Does that, I hope that makes sense, but I'm trying to keep it simple for the layman here. No, it, it does. It does. And, you know, uh, this these type of experiments are still going on. They never stopped the funding, and they admit they never stopped the funding. In fact, if anything, 2014, they admitted that they, they have uh, reached a new level of breakthrough that we're not allowed to know too much about. Uh, we, could know, but, we could know it. If we had the ability to remote view it, we could know it without them being able to stop us from knowing. Well, here, here's, my, here's my complaint with all this. My complaint with all this is that could there potentially be a subversive group, um, let's say within a government, that could use the ability of parapsychology, psychokinesis, and could then manipulate a large group of people to do something like mass killings? Short answer you think is that's yes. Oh, absolutely. It's what the Manchurian candidate's based on. Well, so, you know, the but the problem with the CIA and a lot of their experiments were all torture, by the way. But when you use LSD, barbiturates, marijuana, uh, uh, ab abusing the amounts of alcohol was incredible. Uh, and, and then extreme isolation and then actual physical torture. I and mean, they would fracture people. Um I believe there's two sides to this coin. I think Russ Dizdar, the late great Russ Dizdar, talked about one part of this, and then we have the other part, which is the scientific part that the CIA talked about. And you know, you can go to the CIA, you can read the documents, but what Russ would talk about was the ability for Satanists uh, to use these types of people and to harness them and enhance them through blood rituals and enhance them through... Uh, demonic forces and then have the ability to unleash this type of attack mm -hmm. upon a specific person and it follows it it follows right in line with some of the techniques from operation bluebird operation artichoke uh and then got into mk ultra i mean right online with them dave well I look at a lot of this like technology. Technology can be used for good or for evil. And I believe with regard to some of these issues we're talking about, I think the same principle applies. If you could train someone to watch out for your children and you could hone in to potential dangers and so forth and so on, that would be a good application. If you're using it to put yourself in a position to harm somebody or steal from somebody, that's the evil application. So I, I don't know that, you know, let's put it this way. If you go occultic, it's a done deal. But I do think if psychic ability can be harnessed, and there's pretty good evidence that it can, and it's not remote viewing, at least not controlled remote viewing, 
But if psychic power can be harnessed, I believe it could be used either for good or for evil. Yeah, I, I, I think it can be. Uh, I, I think, <clears throat> I think we all know that people like witches, covens, and and wizards and warlocks, um, they do use the forces of darkness to magnify a natural, innate ability that they have. That in, in a lot of ways, I, I agree with you that Jesus said that we would be able to do things more or less, uh, not better, but more things than he was able to do. Um, and I think a lot of times the translation gets lost because people look at what we're talking about, like if it's voodoo, you know, and this is science, uh, and, you know, try and have this conversation at your Bible study. Although you know, I dare well, anybody. it's because they don't have open minds. Seriously. The, the Christian community, when it comes to current events, uh, you know, standing up for what's right. And also, too, for powers that Jesus clearly displayed, uh, they don't have open minds. Now, I'm not saying that all are that way, but I've seen a lot of closed-mindedness. Like I've described the uh, stare at the back of someone experiment. Oh, that's satanic! Without even looking at the variables, they, they want to label it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm so I'm looking right here. Uh, at paranormal ability subjects that the Chinese were experimenting in. You remember the thing I was telling you about? Here's one of the test subjects. Subject Z had the paranormal ability of self-healing. He was a 26-year-old male with a history of tuberculosis uh, that was presently and completely recovered from uh, and now has normal physical development after... Um, I don't know how you would say it, harnessing uh, self-healing. That's, that's one of the things that you know we've talked about here. Um, they had over 50 different experiments. Uh, you know, it was a total of, of 50 different experiments and the ability to break through a spatial obstacles uh, that were conducted. And the results are condensed into this one table of experiments here. But there is a... Uh, there was a 25% success rate. 17 of them were videotaped and high speed photography was used in six of them. And they could not say it was fake. Mm -hmm. They couldn't say it was fake out of 50, 25 people that they had were able to break a spatial plane. 17 of them were videotaped. They did it so well. And out of six of the 17, which were what they called the confident ones, they they thought that there was some sort of a, uh, a trick that was happening. One of the experiments they had, Dave, was they had a bottle, a, a regular glass bottle. Think of like your average Tylenol bottle that you can get from the store, right? But it's a glass bottle. It has a lid on the top of it with a piece of plastic that they heat and it shrink wraps itself on top. And inside, there is multicolored, uh, like red, blue, and green um, uh, pills that are in there, like a, a, a half diameter by half, uh, or excuse me, a half millimeter by uh, half millimeter, like little pills, all right? And so this guy grabs the bottle, okay, 
And when he puts the bottle down, there's no pills in it. Nothing's been broken. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I said, and they asked him. There's a lot, and they we, asked a lot him, we don't understand, Doug. Yeah, they asked him to repeat it, and he did it again to a, an entirely new bottle. And they used seven different bottles, and he did it to all of them. Well, where'd the pills, where'd the pills yeah, go? Though? I'm not questioning the results of the experiment, the validity of the experiment. Uh, people have had out-of-body experiences at night. Uh, Dr. Charles Tart, who discovered the REM sleep cycle, uh, had a family friend, a young girl, who said, yeah, I travel out of my body all the time. She thought it was natural. And he did an experiment in his lab, and he placed numbers on top of stuff that she could never have gotten to and so forth. She was completely observed during her sleep state. And she came back on the second night and recited all eight numbers. And the odds were like 80 million to one. And uh, so there are situations like this. But here are some unanswered questions. Is this uh, part of our genetic code and we just haven't evolved into it? Or was it who we were and we're evolving out of it and only a few remnants remain in the human population? If you go Genesis 6, is this one set of DNA has people that can do this and one set of DNA has people that can't do it? See, these are all variables that need to be explored. The power of prayer has been explored in 17 studies and the results are highly promising, but it doesn't have the level of significance of 0.05. So there's a lot to be learned. Um, Doug, I'm not going to get this in if we don't do this now. We're going to continue this discussion, folks. Um, uh, and I think I want to talk about the power of prayer next time and the research that's been done on that. But uh, Doug's got a really good show, American Vindicta. Uh, as long as he stays away from YouTube, it's really well received. <laughs> <coughs> Doug, what? Uh, tell us about your show real quick. Uh, so this type of stuff is the stuff that I talk about on my show. A lot of historical stuff, especially with the military. And, uh, you know, secret classified operations. I love to tell the history of that. Uh, this show also has a little bit of a political side to it, survival side. There's also a bunch of stuff on Active Shooter that I talk about. I did recently get a strike on YouTube, so if you haven't heard from me in a week, uh, that's the reason why. I'll be back sometime late next week. Uh, but you can find the show on GS Radio, KYH 540 AM, <laughs> YouTube, Rumble, TV is where we have the awesome Intel report, Dave. I just want to say that what we did with Timothy Alberino is never, ever done on the radio before. We have No one has ever uh, got into a conversation like we did with Tim <laughs> with the subjects that we talked about to the extent that we talked about it. And we're not two goofs over here. You know, we're two educated guys. Uh, you're obviously an educator. And, you know, we we really went into uh, yeah, it was amazing. the rabbit hole. Oh, it was yeah, absolutely I, I amazing. It was yeah. it was. And you can go over there, sign up at thecommonsenseshow.tv. And part one is up. Part two will be up today. And uh, actually, ladies and gentlemen, it was the best TV we've ever done. And we've had some great shows. Hey, Doug, always a pleasure doing business with you. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to check out here at The Common Sense Show. Thank you so much for joining us and indulging our trip down a different path that we normally take. We'll see you here next time. Take care. Thanks, Dave.